0: And we're continuing in the series of the attributes that the Bible explores. That today, the idea, the fact that the Bible describes that God is everywhere, everywhere. God is everywhere. Whoop! Too fast. There's a posh word for that, omnipresent, made up of two words, omnipresence. God is present everywhere, at all times, no exceptions. There is no place that you can be that God is not also there. He is everywhere, in all places, at all times. He is omnipresent. I don't know your lives. I don't know how much you're aware of God's presence with you always. How much am I aware of that? Not all the time. But it is the truth that the scriptures say is true. And we as followers of God want to be people who live in the light of what we believe. The scriptures, our experience too, tells us is true. God is everywhere, all the time, No no times when he isn't, always. So that means he is with all people, in all parts of the world, in your homes, in the universe, in the tiny cellular structures, that little blob there is a cell, in your homes where you're working or in the office when you're on your computer, wherever you are, God is there. Just cast your mind back to the week you've just had. not been an easy week, actually, has it? For lots of different reasons. That heat, people have had trials and tribulations of various kinds. We know this week, not so far away, 40 houses burnt down because of fire in this country. Thankfully, nobody died, but 40 households, their homes have gone, just gone. Listening to the women, a woman on the television talking about that, she talked about the fact her children have lost their teddy bears. Photographs, gone. Would those people feel like God was with them? Would we, if that was our homes? We talk about the theological truth that God is everywhere, but grounding that in everywhere means in there. Next photo is of uh, Kenya, Somalia. Awful drought. Is God there? There's children dying because they don't have food. Crops aren't growing. The bottom picture is of a housing area, a... a, um, shopping mall that was hit by a Russian missile. It's now decimated. God is everywhere. I think we must learn to make sure that we don't just hold things theoretically, but we actually consider the truths of this, where this actually lands. How do we hold the Bible's explanation of God's closeness with the horrible things that we see? or experience for ourselves? And these are huge questions that are not just for us today. They have been discussed, endless books written about it, to understand how God can be everywhere, involved, loving, able, but also allow for our free will as human beings. These are the complexities that we need to be at least accept are a reality for people. For people in the midst of the trials, houses burnt, in drought, in Ukraine, would they be able to hold on to this truth? Because when people are in pain, what do they normally do? They often want to blame somebody. And if there isn't obviously a person to blame, then they want to blame God even if a lot of the time they don't almost believe in God, they will blame because it feels so unjust. So they look for somewhere to put that pain. We understand that it is not easy to live through these things. But as I said, we have free will. What has been the cause of the heat rises in our countries? Well, there's lots of distant discussions, as we would all know, on that. Climate changing the constant gradual rise in the temperatures across the world, is impacting these. What caused that? Well, lots of things. But human beings have been very powerfully active of causing these things. What started the war in Ukraine? Well, we could talk about that, but that's not for today. It was a human being. But the impact of that is God still involved. And yet, I found it so encouraging The day following the burning of the houses, what was happening in Dagenham? People were gathering to get together to provide food and possessions, to be able to give back to these people who'd lost everything. Of course, they couldn't rebuild their houses, but they could give. Is this part of how God gives back, involved? Yeah, I believe it is. International Rescue Committee and multiple agencies are involved across the country, in all parts of the world, to help these people in Somalia and in Kenya. It is part of how God works, for sure. But I believe God works also beyond that in ways unseen. The final picture is of some Christians who came out of Kiev. It's it's a photo from a a link of mine. And their church, I've spoken about it before, in Kiev, are very active in getting together things to give out to other people in other parts of Ukraine. So they get these boxes and deliver them all over the place. I do believe this is partly how God is everywhere. And I find it so encouraging to see just in the humanity. It's not just Christians who do this. It is people because they believe that there has to be some goodness in the light of tough times. So God works through people. But let us look now at some scriptures that look at what God says is the truth of what is going on in our world. So we're going to look primarily through a Psalm 139, just some of the verses there. I know for some of you, this is a favorite psalm. It is my favorite psalm for all sorts of reasons. But we're going to just look at these verses for now. And the psalmist writes, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. I'd love us now, actually, but I'm not going to do this. Don't worry. I wonder what part of this scripture impacts you the most which part of that really feels so incredible. It seems from these verses that the writer, the psalmist, is holding on, knowing God is close and involved. Although maybe he's also wanting at times to hide, or maybe he has wanted to hide, and his seen, well, what a complete waste of time that is. I'd read this, um, I don't know how many times before, But as I was doing some preparation for today, I I learned that when that phrase, if I rise on the wings of the dawn, it's an image of when the sun comes up and immediately the land is covered in the light. So the psalmist is saying, if I rose on the wings of the dawn, I still can't get out before God because he travels the speed of light and faster. He is beyond all our kind of constraints. He can't outrun God. He can't get to a different place. He can't even hide in darkness because darkness isn't dark to God. Maybe a challenge for us if we don't like the dark. Often children don't like the dark. Can we encourage them? Well, the Bible tells us God sees you. He sees you just as clearly in the darkness as he does in the daylight His perspective is so, so different. But the psalmist is also deeply aware. It's not just God's presence. It's his guidance, his help. Even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. And there's another translation that says, and even there, your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. How many times do you need that? Do I need that in your ordinary, everyday life to draw that truth to mind? He wants to hold you, strengthen you. And the right hand of God is a symbol in Scripture of his power and his authority. We're talking about a big God who is everywhere, who is there powerfully in your life. Before I preached this morning, a couple of the elders came and prayed over me. And one of them had a word and said, I can't do it with a deep voice that you did, Guy. But it was like, God is big. Big. You know, like kids kind of thought, God is so big, so strong and so mighty. This isn't just a children's song. God is big. And he's everywhere. And he's in your life, and my life, and he's in the world, and in our homes, and in our offices, and when you sit at your computer. And yes, he is overseas. He is in this drought situation, and he cares. His love is spread abroad. He is in all these things. It's so important, though, that we actually, whilst this is true for the psalmist... I'm under no illusion that amongst this congregation and those watching online, is that what you feel? Probably not, not all the time, that's for sure. I haven't always. At times you and I may see things and go, oh, that was God and we love to share those testimonies and we love to hear those testimonies. But it's harder when the actual story is, no, I didn't see God, I feel so alone. In in the Gospel of John, we know the story, and many of you would have heard this, where Mary and Martha are there where their brother has died. And they so wanted Jesus to turn up because they knew if Jesus was there, it would all be all right. But he hadn't turned up in the village. And so by the time he did come, Lazarus had been dead for a few days. And Martha in her true human sisterly aching said, if you'd been here, our brother wouldn't have died. That's that sort of heart cry. But then she's still got faith because she then goes on to say, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And we know that Jesus did ask and Lazarus came back out of the grave. That's extraordinary. We read the scriptures and we just take it on board, but this is extraordinary. The Jesus that we follow in his footsteps is extraordinary. I'm encouraged when I hear that other people that I look up to struggle at times. Many of you would have known Jim Graham, lovely, godly man. Well, I know towards the end of his life, he was talking to a friend of mine, and he said that he felt like he was living in a lead-lined box. He could not feel God. But he said to my friend, but I know my feelings are not the guide to truth. I believe God is with me. He wasn't denying the, fa- the pain he was feeling. He wasn't saying he didn't feel alone, because he did. But he wouldn't let that be his master. He knew that God was good. He knew that God can move in power. He knew that God could heal, but he was, puck out the point, sick. But he also knew that God is above, and God in some ways is a mystery, which we do not understand his bigness, we can't get our heads around that. So people that we look up to and think they must have it all the time, they must feel this lavish embrace of the Father all the time. Well, sometimes they do and sometimes they don't, and I expect that would be true of you if we had time to hear your stories. For me, one line in there that I so makes me smile If I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. Because for me, for us, my husband and myself, in 1983, very naive or very young, obviously, we went out to work in India. We had pretty much no um, teaching before we went on what it was going to be like, so... We arrived in India, and the temperatures that we had this week, it was that and more, probably, so it was hot. And uh, so we arrived, and we would being told, there are certain things you can drink, certain things you should eat, certain food sellers don't go to, da da and you kind of trying to take it all on board. Well, day three, we were walking through a street like this. I can't see it at the moment on that one. It's no signal for whatever reason. Anyway, so this is a street in India. It isn't actually Valor where we were. We were sent out as Baptist Missionary Society volunteers. You can see there that sort of melee, busyness, rickshaws, cellars, heat. You can't see that, but just imagine it. And we were thirsty, and we were talking to each other. We were walking down the road going, we need a drink. What was it we were allowed to drink? I can't remember the name of the drink. Anyway, there we were, and up walked a man, an Indian man. He was wearing um, nice uh, white cloth, that was not unusual, and uh, he just walked straight up to us, spoke in English, and said, can I help you? You look like you might need something. We're like, oh, wow. So he said, "Um, well, yeah, we we need a drink. Uh, We don't know where to go. So he said, come with me, come with me. And he took us into one of these sort of like side areas oh, and there was a little bench and we came up some steps and sat on the bench, he said, sit here. He went into the little cafe, if I can call it that, he must have spoken to the proprietor because he comes out with the proprietor coming behind him with two bottles of Limpka, Limpka is like a lime soda. We then thought, oh yes, that was the one we were allowed to drink. So. We were like, "Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you so much." And it was cool. It's been in a fridge. It was exciting. So we were genuinely excited, and so we wanted to be, turn around to say thank you to this man. But he wasn't there. So we went down the steps to the road, and we looked up and down. He wasn't there. I can't say that was an angel. It felt like an angel whether he was or he wasn't an angel. Boy, did I feel God was looking after me on that day, us on that day. But that's such a great story, isn't it? And it can really make you think, yes, right, so I can walk through a town, expect someone to talk to me, and it will all be all right. Well, let me tell you, the rest of the months we were in India, it never, ever happened again. Nobody ever walked up to us like that, ever. In fact, it was just not the way it was done. So God showed us, on that day three, I'm with you here in India. We needed to know that, by the way. It wasn't always easy. But reality being that, there's another town. We've, we've traveled a bit. We had three years living in Kenya. This is a photo, an old photo of Nairobi. The story I could tell you of there is not like the first one. I did not feel God's presence with us all the time. I had an undiagnosed illness for three years, which I saw endless doctors in India, but uh, in Kenya. But I was not diagnosed at that time. The reality is, though, we have people who wrote to us, people in Kenya who prayed with us. We even had a lady who's here in this auditorium this morning come and stay with us for a number of weeks to look after me. Was that God in the everywhere? Yeah, it was, it was. But what really, really kept us strong, because we knew God had taken us there, we knew it because it had been a supply of all sorts of amazing things, the finance to get a family of five, enough money to put our children into schooling, all sorts of things had happened. So we knew God had taken us there, but it was in 10 weeks of arriving that all of this stuff started, and it was tough. It wasn't easy at all. But what we chose to do in our desperation, and it was often desperation, was we read a psalm a day. We read a psalm. And in these psalms, there were so many things that God showed himself to be. He'd been involved with the psalmists who'd written them, and we took courage from them. Psalm 34, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. It helped to know somebody else had gone through something bad. They were crushed in spirit like we were in some way. But he's near. wonder in your life, where do you need to know that God is near you? Or for loved ones? Because whether or not they're believers or not, He is near them. The Lord is near to all who call upon Him, to all who call upon Him in truth. In truth means, do you really mean it? Because you know you can sometimes just say words without really having them meant from the head and the heart. Well, when you call upon Him, He's near. He's near. Next one, Psalm 40, verse 1. I waited patiently for the Lord. I didn't, always, by the way. He inclined to me. He inclined to me and heard my cry. That image, that inclined, is like God kind of tilting his head. He's tilting his head to people. He hears our cries. And this psalmist says, He drew me up from the desolate pit, out of the miry bog, and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. It really did help us in the midst of the difficulty, and I encourage you to look through the Psalms and others to see where is this the reality you need to feed from. Wherein I know that other people have gone through tough stuff and seen God give them their footpath, put them on the rock, it again gives you a hope for your own journey. So for you, what do you do when the storms are crashing around and life is not easy? Do you talk to others? That's a good thing to do. Do you pray more, cry out to God? Maybe listen to worship. I know many people love listening to worship because the truth of the words, I mean, this morning we've, we've sung some songs, I didn't know one of them, but I could look at the words and think, yeah, yeah, these are true Singing hymns, I grew up in probably a more hymn singing era. And some of those hymns have fantastic words of good theology, if I can call it that. And you just think, yeah, this is true. Or we can push God away. And often in our pain, when we feel alone, we do push God away. We just, we're not sure if we can trust him. So we somehow feel we're going to be better off if we look after ourselves. Do it my way. It's the most favored song at crematoriums. I did it my way. Ah, how sad. So, how do we hold on then in our fast-paced world to the fact that God hasn't abandoned? Can we go to scriptures? Can we remind ourselves? Can you remind yourself of things that God has done for you in the past? I do that quite a lot if I think, well, if God supplied back then God supplied thousands of pounds to get us as a family to another country all those years ago. So if we're in dire straits with finance, I just remind God, you did it before, I'm asking you to do it again. There are many other scriptures that talk about God's being everywhere. In Joshua 1.9, Have I not commanded you, he said, God speaking to Joshua. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. Why? For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Well, that's amazing. Yes, he spoke it to Joshua, but these truths are true for us. The Great Commission, Matthew 28 he, Jesus had spoken to his disciples. He told them what he wanted them to do, and it wasn't an easy task. And it's not an easy task for us to go and knock on doors or speak to other people about Jesus. But he says, I'm with you. I'm with you when you're talking to people at the door or, and you're talking to people wherever you are or you're trying to do right. And then this, this one from Jeremiah 23 He says, am I only a God nearby, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Who can hide in secret places so that I cannot see them, declares the Lord? Do I not fill the heaven and earth? To really embrace God's omnipresence, we need to learn to love this. And I know that there'll be times that you will have tried to hide Hide from other people what you know you're doing is not right. Or hide from yourself that you know your thoughts and your feelings are not right. But God knows it already. It is a complete waste of time, really. But we are so human, this is what we do. My experience is that the more I choose to focus on the fact that God is everywhere, the more I experience it. I wonder if that's true for you too. If you choose to remind yourself, God is here. God is here when I'm in my hospital bed. God is here when I have to travel to a foreign country, when you go through customs or whatever. God is here for folks who've come over from the Ukraine. God is here with them. So what then is our response to the truth of God being everywhere? Just three things briefly. It changes how we pray, it changes how we live, and it can change how we feel. So, changing how do we pray? Basically, I know that so often when we pray, and it's in our humanness, we'll say, oh, Father, please please be with um, Guy, I'll pick on Guy again. Please be with Guy as he goes to work this week. Please be with him as he climbs ladders. Well, he he knows that God is with him all the time. So I don't need to pray that. I need to pray, help Guy be courageous when he's in his workplace to share his faith. There you go, Guy. That's one for you. (laughs) Help us wherever we are to um, know the truth that Joshua knew, that, it's, that you're with me always. So you promise this big God promises to be with you in every event. So what is it that in your life right now is scary? What do you need to pray? Help you for strength, for courage? Maybe you can take one of those scriptures and say, right, Lord, I'm going to take this scripture that you have spoken in other places and say, this will be true because you have not changed. So it changes how we pray when we believe in God's everywhere-ness. It changes how we live. Now, the passage I read from Jeremiah, Am I only a God nearby? Am I not a God far away? Who can hide in secret places? It wasn't written to people who were following him. It was written to corrupt prophets and people. And God was saying to them, What you're doing, I see. And that can be hard for you, for me, if we're doing things that we wish were not being seen by this huge, big, loving God, because we are keeping control in certain ways. They were trying to do things their way. They were behaving appallingly. And God was saying to them, do you think I'm not here? If I'm honest, I would love to say this scripture to President Putin. Do you think God doesn't see what you're doing? He does. And there will be a day of judgment and a day of reckoning. Most of us, I'm fairly sure, haven't started wars. But we can start arguments. We can start rumors. We can behave wrongly. It's very easy just to go along with a rumor-mongering that goes on. Well, God would say, do you think I don't hear? I do hear. I hear everything. So it should change how we live, but not out of just fear for the fact he is huge and big and there, but because this huge, big God, as Sarah reminded us in a prayer and speaking, he died for you and me. He did everything that we need to have a relationship with God. He loves us on a level that we really don't Ever truly grasp. We are loved so, so, so deeply. Even the person in your world who loves you the most, it's only a fraction of how deeply God loves you. When you know you're loved to that level, you want to do the right thing because you know it brings pleasure to God. So finally, it changes how you feel. For me, it changed how we felt when we were in India to know that we were being held fast in God's hand, even when it was so hot you could hardly breathe, like many of us have experienced this week. He wants us to be comforted, to hold the truth of these things. We may have to wait. I had to wait for three years before I got any diagnosis. That was three years worth of pain and uncertainty and fear and messing around in life in our human way. Why? Well, on one level, I don't know. I can't give you a why answer. I can now see, because I went through all of that stuff, it meant when I then became, came back to the UK and became a counselor for other people who were struggling, I could speak out of my own experience. And I know that for some people, that really, really helped them. Was that why? Because that makes me sound like I'm some sort of piece on a chessboard. Don't believe that's how it is, and we need to come away from that sense that we're just maneuvered in a harsh way. God was there with us, He spoke to us, He helped us, but He did not immediately remove us. But God wanted us to know you're not alone, you're not alone. And the same I'd say for you. Whatever you're going through, you're not alone. There are stories in the Bible, and these are often people that we kind of look to and think, oh goodness. Thank you that they're so human. Moses, Elijah, Gideon, they all had times when they ran away from God. They thought their circumstances were overwhelming, their thoughts got out of alignment with the truth. They'd forgotten the promise that God had said he would guide them into the promised land and all these things. And so they resorted back to doing it my way. But peace came when they stopped struggling when they realize there's nowhere to hide and God's commitment is to provide. Even when they still messed up though, God was there for them. And Psalm 73, I'm going to leave us with this one. So if you today feel like I am so messed up, I have so grieved God's heart, I'm so far away from him, he won't be with me, well, this Psalm tells you otherwise. When my heart was grieved, And my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Love the images of scripture. Yet I am also with you. You hold me in my right hand. His right hand to my right hand, giving me strength even when you're so messed up. So I don't know if this impacts you today or online. But God wants us to know his everywhere infiltrates into every cellular, tiny, cupboard, world space, universe to the tiny. He's there. This huge God we can't get our heads around is there. Hold it, my friends. Let's pray. Oh God, I want to pray for those people who this morning, this is the first Sunday when they don't have a home because theirs were burnt down. I thank you for the people and the government council services that are doing what they can now to recompense, to help. But it will never be the same. The teddies will never be the same. The photographs will not be the same. God, you understand the pain these people are going through. And we pray that they would know through people, through your churches, we pray that the church leaders of those areas would be active to help these people. They need to see your hands and feet, your eyes, your voice, your loving care. We pray, God, for these people. We pray for those people of Kenya, Somalia, other parts of Africa where there's just not rain. And yes, we cry, God. We cry for clouds to come. How lovely we loved clouds on Wednesday here in the UK. We pray for rain for these countries, God. But we pray for them in the midst of the now when those don't have that and they're watching their children starve. May those aid agencies reach them. May we have tender hearts to give to those agencies to help them. Often we are called to be the answers I know to our own prayers. For the people of Ukraine, we pray again, God, for the churches there, that they would speak peace into the people where huge, horrible stuff is happening, where Russian forces are causing such desolation. And for us, God, where do we need to know your everywhere I pray that these scriptures that we've looked at in short time now, May, may this congregation, those listening at times to come, may they go and search these scriptures to realize the gems that are in these scriptures that tell you, tell us we're never out of your sight. So may we have joy in the midst of the storm that is true and real because of your commitment to walk with us. You are so good. So even as we sing our final songs of praise, I pray, though, that if there are people here in this auditorium who need someone to pray with them, maybe someone will just get that nudge sitting next to them to turn and say, can I pray for you? You could do that during this song or at the end. Lord, thank you, Holy Spirit, you're here. Amen.